I looked through the book of Luke, and I saw how many times the setting for Jesus' instruction is around a table with food on it and people gathered around it. For some reason, it seems like his choice of setting is a meal, a table with people. And he invited people. He was invited by people. He participated in a lot of meals like that, and he offered instruction. Sometimes it was as basic as, where do you sit when you're invited to a meal? Jesus taught that. He taught that. He also taught when you're going to have a meal like this, who you should invite. I mean, how serious is Jesus about your mealtime? He wants to direct that. And you think about how many times in the Old Testament instruction was given that would impact who they invited to their meal and what they served. This is a big time. This is a spiritually significant moment. And in fact, what used to be the center of our church buildings was not this, it was these. You remember that? Right in the middle. Remember when we had them right in the middle? Now we don't even use them. What are they even up here for? Right? But they're using, we were table-centered church because that's kind of where Jesus instituted all this stuff. Well, so, but, but, but when you are dismissed in a moment, in a moment you're going to have a, a chance to practice some of these things. It's not just a time for us to pig out on good food and then head out. Utilize this time wisely. It's a fellowship meal. Take your time. As much as it's a meal, it's fellowship. So meal number one in the Gospel of Luke was at the home of Levi. He's a tax collector. Jesus had reached out and even called him to be an apostle, and he accepted. He became a disciple. Levi responded by making this great big feast at his house and invited, he said, all his friends, tax collectors, and otherwise. And apparently some Pharisees found out about it, and either they attended it or they were outside the door watching it with critique. But Jesus was clear. These are sinful people. These are sinful people I'm eating with. They're spiritually sick. They need a doctor. But if they can't have impact, they can't have interaction with a doctor, how will they get access to what they need? Makes sense, right? A meal is a great place for informal interaction so that we can make each other's lives better. We don't even know what was served at this meal, but we know what Jesus was doing and who was there. May we be about this today, too. Our interaction together here in a few moments can really enrich each other's lives. We can learn some insights from life, from each other, that make us better people. You're eating with people who can make you a better person. So take advantage and get a story. Meal number two, Luke chapter 7. A man named Simon invited Jesus to his house, and an unexpected visitor came. I hope... When you gather at a table this afternoon, this evening, and just a bit, that you have unexpected visitors. Don't make it the same old people who are always at your table. May you have an unexpected strange visitor. And we have some people who fit the bill here. Jesus told a parable. Jesus told a parable at this story with a moral that said the person who loves, has been forgiven a lot, loves a lot. Those who've been forgiven little, love little. The common bond, the one condition for partaking of this meal we're about to engage in is that we love the Lord and we want to share his love with each other. And sharing our stories as we eat helps us to convey this and realize this. I hope as you eat together, you get some of those unexpected people. You might learn something. Meal number three in Luke chapter 9, Jesus fed the 5,000. 
They'd been following for a long time, and they were exhausted, and they, they were hungry, and so he decided he's going to feed them. He illustrated that physical needs and spiritual needs are not exactly totally separate. They can intermingle. And when Jesus throws a feast to meet a need, he provides plenty. And you're going to find when you go back there, there's plenty to eat. And that conveys something about the love of the Lord we serve. He loves abundantly in great measure, and he wants us to do that. Another gospel reveals that they sat down in groups when they went to eat. So this huge group was broken up in small groups. We are, we're going to experience small groups in a moment because we are, we are limited by the size of the tables. You're going to be in groups of like eight or nine. And it gives us a chance to break into smaller groups. Take advantage, be strategic, and eat. Meal number four. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42 at Martha's house. You know this scene. You know this scene. Mary and Martha are there. Lazarus is probably there. Martha focused on the meal preparations. Mary was more interested in learning by the talk with Jesus. There's much to learn here. But we realize that physical food that we're sharing, while tasty and enjoyable, is secondary to the spiritual significance. This is a fellowship meal. And what comes first, the meal or the fellowship? Fellowship, meal. Fellowship, meal. Fellowship, meal. Which come first? Fellowship. And that's the most important thing. And it's hard to know that when you're t smelling that salmon, isn't it? It's kind of hard. to. I don't really care if that's Paul Wallace or not. Just let me pig out, right? We never learn the menu of any of these meals. But we're told the people who are present... Enjoy the amazing chicken, but pay attention to the people. Meal number five, Luke chapter 11, 37 to 53, a Pharisee invited Jesus to eat with him, and boy, did he regret it. Jesus didn't wash before dinner, apparently, and the Pharisee is judging him for it. Jesus responded by talking about the danger of so many concerns about peripheral, external matters. And he goes into this scathing rebuke of a bunch of woes about people who are more concerned about this and that and blah, blah, blah. And when the meal was over, the Pharisees began to plot how to kill Jesus. Isn't that something? That's quite a meal. I hope that we have nothing that compares to that tonight. Just dismiss that one. It's a context we don't need to talk about. Meal number six, Luke 14. Another Pharisee commits the foolishness of inviting Jesus over, and Jesus starts peppering him with questions. Jesus uses questions to teach a lot, and he's at this meal, and he's throwing out these questions, and he's telling these stories. And by the end of it, the Pharisee's wondering, why did I invite him over? You might have an experience of coming to a potluck meal and going, leaving, going, why did I have to sit with them? That's okay, you learned something. This is a time to ask questions and learn something. Why don't you, if you're at the table with Blake Bristow, ask him what language he uses when he's training dogs. That's a really interesting insight. I think you need to know that. And if you just talk to him here or walk by him, you won't know that. Or Todd and I were visiting the other day and came to uh, Tynes and Brenda Sharp's house. You know, and usually I don't gather around a table whenever you're visiting with somebody, but when she made coconut cream pie for your visit and it's still warm, you, you get to the table. You want to get to the table. We got to the table and he said, I want to ask you a question. This is always 
a bad thing for a preacher when you go and somebody says, let me ask you a question. What was the name of Samson's mom? I don't know. Who cares? Who cares? That, well, it's, we, he was at church this morning. I don't see him here but right now. But he was here this morning. I said, I still don't know. And so somebody looked it up. Miss Manoah. Manoah's wife. We then went to Billy and Nelda Simpkins' house. What a colorful guy. I'm a little scared of the guy, actually, right? He's, a, he's spastic, it seems to me, very energetic. But he invited us into the door, right? And we have a great visit with him. And then he tells us, I feel bad that there was an elder and somebody else came by just a couple days ago and I wouldn't let them in. I said, I think I know who that was. I wouldn't have let them in either, Billy. Wesley and John, I don't know if John's here or not, um, great visits, great interaction, great time to get to know each other. And what I'm saying from this meal is ask questions, tell stories, just like Jesus did, and we learn something in that. Meal number seven is in Luke chapter 19 at the home of Zacchaeus. This isn't exactly a meal picture, but I love this picture so much that I just decided that's the one that needs to be here. Isn't that awkward looking? I think that's interesting. It was during a meal when Jesus uh, agreed to go to Zacchaeus' house. He didn't, actually, he didn't actually get invited. He invited himself to the house. And he found himself convicted, and he found himself repenting, and he became a disciple. Something about the interaction at the meal, even beyond the great speech that he heard while he was up in the tree, something about uh, Jesus in the setting of everyday life in a home and interacting with him for real, the tone, the atmosphere, the spirit that he exhibited conveyed this acceptance and grace in such a way that it moved him to conversion. It would be a really cool story to one day tell that so we got together and ate like this, and back at the table people started talking and somebody decided to become a Christian, not because of the great sermon they heard, but because of the great fellowship that they saw after the service was over. Do you think that's possible to happen? It did here. Meals are a whole lot more than meets the eye. We meet Jesus in worship, no doubt about it. We also meet him at the table. And you're going to get that opportunity here in a moment. So keep your eyes open. Because the person sitting with you may not be what you always thought they were. Meal number eight, the Last Supper a meal that Jesus shared some deep truths about what was about to happen. While he was sharing it, it was mysterious to his disciples. They didn't understand exactly what he was meaning, but Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about, and later on they would understand. And he made sure to leave behind a meal as the centerpiece of Christian worship. We are table-centered people, and sharing meals allows us to share life. Life that we centerpiece of your home, right? Before the supper came to our worship as it is now, it was part of a fellowship meal. And there's no accident that that's true because Jesus wants to be center of your entire life, not just on the first day of the week in this building, but take him home and be part of your life. But as an example of that, we're going to gather around a table and learn something about Jesus too. Meals number nine and 10 appear 
almost together, certainly on the same day. And it was resurrection day, the Sunday Jesus arose from the dead. In the evening after that resurrection, and as Jesus was walking along with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, sharing with them the story of the Old Testament, Moses and the law and the prophets, and about how that that was predicting and forecasting that Jesus would not just die, but he would rise from the dead, that this was all part of God's plan, they were kept from seeing him, the text says. They were kept from seeing that this was Jesus right next to them. And they kept walking, and Jesus was going to walk on, but they, they urged him to come in and share a meal. And do you remember when their eyes were opened? Does anybody remember when their eyes were opened and they saw Jesus for who he was? As he broke the bread. That can't be an accident. We learn to see each other, and we learn to see each other and the reality of our lives as we share a meal together. Well, they were so excited about Jesus just disappears, right? They were so excited about that very night. It's dark, and they make that journey, seven or eight-mile journey back to Jerusalem, meet with the other disciples in the upper room, hidden with a locked door because they're afraid of the Jews. And what do you know? Jesus appears right in, and they're having a meal. I don't know what else to serve, but I know that there was fish there. Because Jesus ate that fish to prove and provide comfort that this really was Jesus and that all those testimonies of Scripture were coming true. There's proof and there's comfort and there's conviction in that meal. So yeah, we learn about the Lord in Bible class formally. But you know what? We learn about God in our interactions, in our interactions with each other around the table. Your learning today, even about the Lord, is not done yet when we say a final amen and dismiss. There's more to be learned in the interaction of each other. So there's more going on here than filling up with good food. Don't miss out on the fuller blessings that are available in this. Pay attention to where you sit. Sit intentionally. Jesus taught us this. Sit intentionally strategically like you're intending to get the fullest out of this the fullest possible and i would encourage you to share stories in life with the people you sit around annoy the preacher who's buzzing around everybody and just get the stories otherwise it's not a fellowship meal it's just food and we're not here just for food we're here for fellowship and no telling what can happen as you start sharing life together. If, if what Luke shows us is true, you may see Jesus a little more clearly as we eat together today. So yes, fill your stomachs, but fill your souls too. As the all, that old song, I don't, it's not even in our songbook, I don't think, but we still have it on overhead. Not going to sing it. Are you ready for this? Because as far as I know, All things are ready, so come to the feast. Let's dismiss and let's eat as we pray together.